This evening we are continuing our study in Ephesians. We'll be uh, beginning Ephesians chapter 6. And again, we are almost to the conclusion of of this great epistle of Paul. Uh, We'll have uh, the first half of Ephesians chapter 6 today. And then next Wednesday we will conclude uh, with the, the second half of the chapter. But we'll be again in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. If you remember uh, last week, we uh, concluded chapter 5, where Paul was describing uh, the relationship between uh, Christ and and the church and comparing that to uh, the way a husband and wife uh, should uh, respond to one another. And so we saw, uh, again, a lot of those comparisons uh, of how uh, to live uh, within a marriage. And uh, Paul is, you know, he's describing the conduct uh, between man and wife there at the end of chapter 5, and he's going to continue this into uh, chapter 6. You know, of course, when, when Paul was writing uh, the, this letter, you know, he wasn't writing this in chapters and in verses. Th- those are things came later on. A man invented uh, the chapters and the verses. Uh, but of course, uh, Paul is continuing uh, the, pretty much the, the same theme uh, into chapter 6. It's just unfortunate we have that chapter break um, to, you know, but he's still continuing uh, his thoughts on conduct, uh, on how uh, different relationships should uh, be as Christians. And so, again, he, we end chapter 5 talking about marriage, and we begin chapter 6 talking about the parent-child relationship and then, in verses 1 through 4, and Paul's going to have something to say to the children, and he's going to have something to say to the fathers. And then verses 5 through 9, he's going to uh, talk uh, about the, the bondservant and master relationship. And in today's terms, you know, we can think of that as an employee and his employer, or his boss and the worker. So we're going to dive into those here in a moment, but... Uh, of course, God is obviously concerned with the way we interact with one another. Um, it's true whether we're dealing in the family relationships or with our acquaintances. And again, we've, you know, we can find examples of this throughout Scripture. Of course, going all the way back in Genesis chapter 4 with, with Cain and Abel, right? God was concerned about that family relationship uh, when Cain uh, killed his brother, slew his brother Abel, and you know, remember Abel's response or Cain's response was, you know, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord held him accountable for his actions. And I know that case is extreme, um, but God clearly wants us to deal with one another in a just and upright manner. And again, uh, as we concluded last week, husbands and wives have divine expectations concerning their conduct towards one another. And as we see here this evening, we're going to see children and parents also have boundaries and responsibilities. And again, again, the same is true for those who find themselves at the office. Uh, again, uh, between you know, the employer-employee relationship, um, the employers and employees are to conduct themselves uh, appropriately as well. And so Paul had this type of conduct in mind as he addressed the Ephesians. You know, if we were to go back to chapter 4, uh, that we, we studied here a few weeks ago in verse 17, we remember that uh, he warned them, again, not to walk in the ways of the Gentiles. Remember, don't go back to your old way of thinking, your old way of walking. 
And he told them that they should avoid lying, that they should avoid losing their tempers and getting angry. They needed to avoid stealing. They needed to avoid speaking corruptly in a negative way. And he also went on to say that um, that, 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 that type of behavior not only impacts yourself, but it Im- impacts others. Um, you know, our actions affect others in a negative way, or our sinful actions do. And so um, he reminded them in verse 25 of chapter 4 that you are members of one another, right? You are all members of the same body. You know, don't do these things to one another. And so in hope of promoting his, this behavior that honors God and that it's worthy of the gospel of Christ, in this letter he addressed how individuals ought to conduct themselves, again, in these various relationships, and one, again, one obvious relationship where proper conduct is vital is in the marriage relationship that we just got done studying. And remember, he concluded chapter 5, verse 33, by saying uh, that wives ought to love their husbands and respect them and, and vice versa. But Paul also knew that Christians would find themselves in other relationships, right? Not just a marriage relationship, but there's going to be, uh, you know, the... the the parents and the children, and, and again, uh, the, the employer, the employee uh, status. And so um, he's got some things to say about this. But regardless of the relationship under consideration, what we want to focus on, you know, what we want to notice is that whether it's man and wife, whether it's parent and child, whether it's boss and employee, ultimately what Paul's concerned about is our submission to God, right? That, that we understand that uh, we are submitting in these other relationships because God is over all, right? God is over all. And so um, as Paul is writing this, you're, you're going to notice in some of these verses, Paul's going to say, you know, you need to do this as to the Lord or as you would to the Lord. And when dealing with others, you know, we want to treat them the way that we would want to be treated, right? The golden rule, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. And so, you know, as we think of our relationships as far as, as parents and children, husband and wife, and also in the workplace. And, you know, when we work, you know, we want to do those things to the best of our ability, uh, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Okay, and, and children, as we're going to learn, should obey their parents. Parents should encourage their children. And as Paul has observed elsewhere in Scripture, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15, he said, always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Right? And so uh, this is why Paul is putting out these... Um, these commands to the Ephesian Christians, how to treat one another in these different relationships, because we want, as he said again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, to always pursue what is good, not just for yourselves, he says, but for yourselves and for all. You know, it's, it's you know, if you've played team sports, you know, you, you understand the, this concept. You know, if, if one player on a football team crosses the goal line, the points scored are a result of the whole team's effort, right? It's not... Seven points to Michael, but it's, you know, seven points to uh, the Columbia team. Um, Likewise, you know, a Christian home is made up of an entire family uh, working together to follow Jesus. And 
One family member cannot build a Christian home by himself. Right? He's going to need help from, from the different aspects of the family. But each family must be led. Each family, individual member of the family must decide to do his or her part. So let, let's uh, jump in and we'll read this first section here. Again, in chapter 6, starting in verse 1 through 4. And we're going to notice what uh, Paul writes about for the, the parent and the child situation, uh, that relationship. So he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So, so, so we see there uh, the first three verses are committed to the children. And then in that fourth verse, uh, he's speaking, writing specifically to fathers. Uh, but, you know, he says children, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Uh, that term, uh, children, uh, in Scripture can be used, you know, in a variety of ways. It could be used to uh, describe someone who was very young, right? And Jesus said, you know, let the little children come to me. Or it could describe someone uh, who is, you know, old enough to have his, have his or her own children, right? When the Bible uses the word children, we've got to you know, use the context of the situation to understand that. Uh, you know, John, the Apostle John in uh, his epistle, the first John, I, I think it was about seven or eight times he writes to them and he, met, he calls them little children. Right? He's not specifically talking about, you know, five, six, seven-year-olds, but he's talking about, you know, full-grown Christians. He's referring to as little children. And, you know, often when I think of these passages in Ephesians chapter 6, you know, the first thing that comes to mind are, are little children. But that's not specifically who uh, Paul would be writing to here. Um, the children addressed by Paul must have been capable of understanding the, the instructions being given to them. Right? So he's writing to them, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. You know, they're expected to be able to discern between good and evil. He says, this is right that you do these things. Um, you know, and there's been, uh, in my studies at least, there, there's been a lot of um, debate as to, you know, what is, what is the meaning of in the Lord? Is that in reference to the children, children in the Lord, or is that in reference to parents in the Lord? And um, I concluded um, that, that we're looking at the children. That, that's who's being modified in this, this verse, children. In the Lord, so you know what we're seeing here is Paul is writing to the you know the Ephesian uh, Christians who are, were children, right? meaning that they were they were they were still probably you know um, young enough to be in their their parents' household, but they they were old enough to obey the gospel, and so he is telling them again, children, obey your parents in the Lord, uh, for this is right, and. Uh, the verb here, he is, he's not telling them, you know, one time, you know, you need to obey your parents. But this is a continual thing. Continually keep on obeying your parents. Um, 
And he gives them three different motivations in this verse. And in the second verse, he says, first, children were to obey because of their, of their relationship in the Lord. Again, um, obey your parents in the Lord does not mean obey your Christian parents, but rather it means to obey as part of one's relationship to the Lord. Right? You are in Christ. Again, that's a big theme in Ephesians. You are in Christ. So it, obey your parents because this is right. And then he also said, again, he says, this is right. This is terminology that we see throughout uh, this epistle. Um, you know, if we went back to chapter five, uh, you know, he said that, you know, this is proper. This is proper conduct for a Christian. And verse three and in verse four, he says, this is fitting for a Christian. And, and, and here in verse one, he says, this is right. I, these, this is proper conduct. This is fitting. This is right. Okay, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then he also, thirdly, um, children were to obey because God had long directed his people to do so. You know, where does this verse uh, come from? Where are we familiar with verse 2 in particular? All right, this is one of the, the Ten Commandments. Uh, the, uh, the Fifth Commandment in particular, you know, obey or honor your father and mother. And then he says, which is the first commandment with a promise. Well, you know, if we, if we went back into uh, Exodus chapter 20, there's a couple of places uh, in the Old Testament that we can uh, read about the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. But in Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 12, he says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. So uh, if you're there, notice verses 13 through 16. He just simply says, as he gives more of the commandments, he says, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. But we notice in verse 12 that he, he gives a promise uh, with that commandment. He says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God has given you. Um, of course, uh, or again, this, this was one of the law or one of the Ten Commandments. Um, you know, one of those commandments that, you know, so many, um, you know, even outside of, uh, of Christianity has heard. Um, about uh, that we should honor our father and mother. And this principle we see in the Old Testament and we also see it in the New Testament here with, with Paul reaffirming. Uh, not, not that uh, we're bound by uh, the, the verse in the Old Testament, but you know, he's reaffirming the principle here in the New Testament. Honor your father and mother, uh, which is the first commandment with the promise. And then notice verse three, he says, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Um, you know, what do you think that means? With a God-centered life, we'll have more peace, more happiness, a better life. Sure. Yeah, if we're going to... Um, Obey our, our father and mother in this life as God would want us to. Uh, he, he, he's given us this promise that it will be well with you and that you may live long 
on the earth. Um, you know, maybe I shouldn't have had you move back into the New Testament, but uh, back in Deuteronomy chapter 21, I want to read this passage to you in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 21, starting in verse 18. Uh, notice what the old law said um, about uh, raising, raising children. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 18... Here it's recorded, If any man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother, and when they chastise him, he will not even listen to them, then his father and mother shall seize him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gateway of his hometown. They shall say to the elders of his city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death. So you shall remove the evil from your midst, and all Israel will hear of it and fear. Okay, so, you know, in, in our day and age, that's, that's pretty extreme, isn't it? Uh, that, that God said to his people, uh, the Jewish nation, that if you have a child that is stubborn, that is rebellious, who will not listen to you, who will not honor you, that you are to take him before the elders of your city and bring, bring up this accusation, and he was to be stoned. Right? And we notice, um, again, in verse 21, it says, So you shall remove the evil from your midst, and all Israel will hear of it and fear. Right? Again, that, that's pretty... Uh, extreme in, in today's time. Uh, probably that wouldn't be legislated today, I don't think, uh, that, that we would do that uh, to um, our children. But the point is that, um, that God is trying to get across to us is that you know, if children aren't going to respect their, their parents uh, growing up, uh, how likely is it that they're going to respect uh, the authority of the nation when they're on their own? Right? It's not going to be very likely. And so, um, again, in, in the Old Testament, uh, you know, Romans 15.4 says things were written before time for our learning, right? These things um, God uh, has put, um, you know, God controlled these things for our learning so that we can learn from these things. And, you know, the, the, this is one example, of, you know, or an example of what happened uh, to a rebellious uh, child in that nation, and, and that's something that we uh, can learn from. We understand uh, when we flip back into the New Testament, particularly here in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, that, that that principle is still here today, right? Honor your father and mother uh, so that you may, it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth, right? We understand that authority um, must start in the home, or it will impact the land. And that's why God had that rule uh, back in Deuteronomy in the old law. That's why when you read through the book of Proverbs, you know, there is a lot of admonition on you know, how to train a child, right? how, how to raise them. Right? Don't spare the rod. Uh, you know, that, that comes up at least four or five times without, or within Proverbs of uh, disciplining our children. And again, we focus on, uh, you know, we show honor. We show honor to our parents by obeying them. You know, 
Uh, We do that as young children by obeying them. As adult children, we can honor our parents, you know, again, by by caring for them uh, when when they get older. And so um, honor your father and mother. And then then, then verse 4, he switches to the the father in particular. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, it's interesting he doesn't say parents or he doesn't say fathers and mothers, but he particularly points to the father. Father, you need to do those things. And and this, of course, they would have understood because in the ancient world, uh, the fathers were given the primary responsibility of training the children. And he says... Do not provoke your children to anger, right? Um, you know, th- this could be from inconsistent discipline. This could be from harsh discipline. You know, these things would provoke or that have the ability to provoke children uh, to anger. Uh, I like what one preacher said uh, about this verse. He said, you know, as a parent, have you ever found yourselves, you know, maybe laughing at something that your child might have done at one moment? But in another moment, you know, when maybe people were around, um, you kind of chastised him about that. Uh, You know, maybe you've done that before or you can think of, uh, you know, a time that maybe that happened. You know, that's inconsistent parenting, you know, that that one time, you know, he does something and and, or she does something and, and you laugh about it. But the other time you punish him for that. Those are the types of things that Paul is referencing here. Um. Do not provoke your children to anger. But then he says, well, in Colossians, let me, let me back up a minute. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 21, uh, the parallel passage to this in the book of Colossians, um, he, he warned fathers uh, about the, the way they approach this task, and he said, don't exasperate them. You know, don't provoke them is the idea there, um, so that they will not lose heart. Again, dealing unfairly with a child over and over may cause them to despair or even, uh, you know, to believe that they could ever please uh, their parent in that situation. And so instead of um, provoking them to anger, he says, do this. He says, bring them up, right? Nurture them in the discipline. You know, you're providing, gu- or you're providing guidance for them for how to live responsibly and in the instruction of the Lord, you're admonishing them. You're, you know, you're gently warning them uh, about um, about what could happen, uh, you know, in the future. And so uh, we notice here in this section that Paul uh, and the relationship between parents and children, uh, you know, he's got some things to say, um, and those are some great verses for us uh, as parents to study and to concentrate on. And then he switches gears here in verses 5 through 8 and brings up another relationship, excuse me, verses 5 through 9. And again, uh, this is the the bondservant or or the slave uh, with his master. And so let's read these verses. Uh, Let's let's just focus on 5 through 8 at first. Uh, My translation begins, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. With fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord and not to men, 
knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. Okay, so uh, in this section, again, he, he's focusing now on these different relationships, relationships that would have been quite common uh, in the Greco-Roman world in this time period of a slave or a bondservant and his master. And Paul's not getting into the, the moral aspect of, of slavery or the wrongness of it, um, but he is, um, he is regulating it. He's saying, yes, th- this is going on in this time period, uh, but this is how I want you to act in these situations. And again, he, he's focusing mostly on the bondservant. Uh, again, verses 5 through 8, he, he's telling the, the bondservant how he should act in this situation. Because there, there are different scenarios here. Uh, as Christianity is starting to spread, uh, again, you know, they're, they're learning about this, uh, this golden rule you know, that Jesus preached about on the Sermon on the Mount. You know, treat one another as you would want to be treated. As Christianity is starting to spread, maybe some of the masters um, who have owned slaves in this time period are becoming Christians. Maybe some of the slaves in their position are you know, learning about Christianity and obeying the gospel and becoming Christians. Or maybe both uh, have become uh, Christians. And so we've got these different scenarios here uh, going on. And Paul is, again, he, he's regulating it for them. He is telling them uh, to, you know, stay in your situation. You know, he says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, he says, you know, stay in your situation, but, you know, let things work out, right? Because as Christianity is going to take hold, you know, these things will eventually uh, dissipate. And uh, just like, um, notice in verse 5, he says, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling. Uh, He uses the same word in uh, chapter 5, verse uh, 22. says, or excuse me, in verse um, 23, to respect your husbands. Excuse me, verse 33. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. And that word there, respect, is the same word that's being translated in verse 5 as fear. And so as a bond servant, as someone who is working under the authority of a master, you are to uh, respect and tremble towards your master in sincerity of heart. And there's that phrase again, as to Christ. Right? As to Christ, as because just like you are under your master, your master is under Christ. And he's going to get to that in verse 9 here in a moment. Um, uh, and of course, you know, this is, uh, you know, this, this is, this is tough, right? This is a tough thing uh, to do. Uh, but he says, you know, there should be no improper motives uh, in as a bondservant of your master, you know, you're not to, you know, get back at him. You're not to steal from him. You're not to lie to him. But then look at verses again, six and seven, uh, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with good will render service as to the Lord and not to men. Um, in other words, what he's saying here is that we're not to work 
you know, only when being watched. Right? There's that saying, when, when the cat's away, the mice will play. Right? Uh, but as Christians, we need to understand that uh, even uh, you know, if, our, if our employer is away or our master is away, you know, Paul is telling them, you're still working for the Lord. Right? You're still doing this uh, for the Lord. Uh, your efforts are being done for the Lord. Um, again, we can apply this to you know, our lives today as far as you know, the, the employer-employee relationship. Um, you know, we need to uh, respect and revere uh, those who are in authority over us uh, in those particular instances. Um, and he says in verse 8, uh, ultimately we'll be rewarded for that. Knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And the point that we should you know, really make in this section that we should emphasize is that there should be no better employee in this world than the Christian. The Christian should be the best employee possible, you know, from, from a hiring pool. Uh, you know, not just, we're not just working hard when the boss is looking um, or trying to impress him, but when he leaves the room, you know, we're still working hard because we understand that that chain of authority, that, that still Christ is, is above us. And so uh, the Christian should be working with integrity. He should be looking out for the interest of others. You know, he's not there just to collect a paycheck, but, you know, he is doing this work for, for the Lord. And then now look at verse 9 as we conclude uh, this evening. He said, now he's focusing on, on the masters or the boss. He says, and masters do the same thing to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. All right, Paul is warning those in leadership positions and, and those type of positions not to use intimidation, right? not to use intimidation or, or improperly treat uh, those below you. Don't threaten them, he says, knowing that both uh, you, their master and yours is in heaven. Right? Uh, you both have the same master, so there, there's no reason uh, to treat him um, in any situation or in any uh, bad situation. You know, when we think of Christ, when he was here on earth, when he was in his ministry, do we, you know, ever recall him threatening his disciples uh, in, in such a way? You know, uh, no, uh, we don't see that. And, um, you know, I, don't, I know we don't have time this evening, but, uh, you know, the, the book, uh, or excuse me, the, the letter of Philemon, you know, hopefully you're familiar with, with that, uh, you know, very small one-chapter book in the Bible. You know, that's all about a master-slave relationship. And, and Paul, has, Paul um, knows of this man by the name of Philemon who um, has a, uh, a slave who has stolen from him and ran away. And Paul admonishes him to, you know, take him back to treat him as a Christian brother uh, because uh, he, um, he converted him. Paul converted the slave uh, On- Onesimus, and he admonishes him to take him back as a brother. Right? And, of course, we don't, under- or we don't know if that ever happened, uh, but that's one of those great mysteries we'll find out about in heaven. But, you know, that- that's a great uh, letter to read if you want to continue in the study of, of the-, the slave 
a master relationship. But in this section, you know, as we basically conclude here, you know, we, we understand that, again, that God expects us to have um, a certain conduct about us when we're dealing with other people. Again, husbands and wives, uh, parents and children, and, uh, and you know, the, the, the slave uh, and the bondservant and the master. And, again, we need to honor those, uh, our, honor our parents, uh, as he says there in, in verse 2, uh, as, as, a, you know, as the, the authority, the chain of authority that we read about here. You know, if you um, have a boss that's you know, overbearing, that, that, that you know, it's, it's sort of tough to, to work under, you, know, you need to still act like a Christian in that situation. Right? He says, you, both your master and his master are uh, in heaven. Right? And he's going to be uh, accountable for the way he treats you, and you're going to be accountable for the way you treat him. So uh, that wraps up uh, that section. Uh, again, we will conclude Ephesians uh, next week as we, as we look at the, the armor of God. And it's a great section. So uh, thank you for your attendance uh, this evening.